This case is the Zoe Evans case. This case is a disturbing case and some content within this video may um, be upsetting to some viewers. I have also put notes up on the community page about this case already, just to make you aware of what this case is about. And I will continue to do that with all the cases as they come up. So little Zoe was nine year old at the time of her disappearance and she disappeared on the 9th, no, on the 11th of January, uh, 1997. And she lived with her mother, Paula, her stepfather, uh, Miles Evans. And um, they lived on the army barracks, really, in army housing, uh, in Warminster, um, in Wiltshire, uh, UK. So this case has come in and out in the news over the years, really, for many different reasons. Um, it also brings up in this case about parole, as usual, um, and about the sentencing of criminals that do such crimes like this. So this case is the story of what happened, or the case in its entirety, about appeals and stuff that Miles Evans did, uh, about other evidence that he tried to bring in to say it wasn't him. And this man actually, to this day, has never admitted this murder. But it's been clearly proven that he did it. So little Surrey, this nine-year-old child, was put to bed on the 11th of January 1997 by her mother, Paula. Um, normal evening, normal day, nothing out of the ordinary. She's put her to bed, tucked her in, said goodnight, got on with her evening and then gone to bed. Now she was married and she'd been married to um, Miles Evans for about five months. And Miles Evans sort of told um, Paula to put earplugs in at night because of his snoring. He encouraged her to wear earplugs at night because of his snoring. And that's what she did. Um, he would snore so loudly that she couldn't sleep. So there was earplugs in, which is, you know, did he really snore? Did he just want to keep quiet? We don't know, but he actually did tell her and she did use earplugs in the evening when she went to bed to sleep because he says he snored. So <laughs> as always, we have now in our midst a perpetrator of children and she didn't know. This is a clear betrayal, this case of when a perpetrator infiltrates your life to where you believe what he's saying. This man was an army driver, worked for the army, he was enlisted in the army, <clears throat> and he um, lived you know, in army housing with this wife and this lovely child. And everything, as far as Paula was concerned, was perfect. She had this perfect life, she had a perfect child, which he was the stepfather of, and it seemingly he came across as this loving stepfather. So on this night of the 11th, when she put this child to bed, the next morning he had got up, Evans had got up and gone to work. He'd gone to work and he made himself really quite known at work. He started to play video games with a Lance Corporal, a female Lance Corporal, in his job. 
Um, he was actually quite good at video games, but on this day, he lost every game, and people thought that was strange. It was like he was trying to get an alibi. He wanted people to remember that he was there. About a few hours later, after he started work, a phone call from Paula came in to say that they couldn't find little Zoe. She had gone. He came across as this caring, loving father. You know, he was distraught. He's now going out in search for this child. He's gone home, he's searched. And then that evening, when they hadn't found Surrey, he said to Paula and the family that were there now trying to find out what's happened to this child because there's no sign of this child, I'm going to go to bed early because I want to get up and search in the morning. Now, <laughs> for me, and I think for a lot of people, this set off some signals here. Because when we look at even more Tidesley's case, his parents searched and they actually didn't sleep for nearly 11 weeks. So when we think about a perpetrator, we think about they're trying to, you know, in a perpetrator like this that's in the home, that's trying to show you something that they're not. He was already showing signs that his behavior wasn't normal. It's very difficult to go to bed. This body hasn't been found. This child hasn't been found. And whether you want to go and search all day and all night, you wouldn't sleep. You wouldn't take yourself off to bed because you want to get up, because you wouldn't be able to sleep. But he did. And he got up the next morning and he searched for Zoe, as many of them have when they've done this sort of crime. They want to be part of it. And the reason they want to be part of that search is because they want to know what evidence you've got on them. They want to know how they can redirect this case. But you know, the police ain't stupid. And actually, nor are the press when it comes to this sort of thing. Now this search, it went on for at least six weeks, this search. But in the meantime, um, so his mother, Paula, and Evans, the stepfather, done an appeal to the public, as you would when a child goes missing. And we've seen many appeals, and even with Phil Potts' appeal, you could see that the body language and the tears and everything weren't real. And you have now behaviourists looking at this now. You have the press that now have done so many of these, even in this case, were questioning about this man. This man could not look you in the eye. This man, when you talk to behaviourists about, you know, this, you know um, the science of our behaviour, you know, your body is saying something to what's actually coming out of your mouth, the lies. And he said, you know, I just want Zoe home so we can give her lots of cuddles and I'll buy her a puppy. Well, you know, there was no appeal from him, really, when it come to bring, you know, <laughs> someone's got her, where is she? This girl's been taken from her bedroom. This girl's been taken in the middle of the night from her bed. There was also issues, though, with this, because after this, um, appeal, this TV appeal out to the public for help. 
the police really did then clock on and think something's not right here and actually both Paula and Miles Evans was arrested at that time because it there was a, a too much going on um, he was portraying himself as something he wasn't you could tell by his eye movements and the closure of his eyes um, at certain points in the way he was rubbing his leg to think about questions he couldn't look at people he had already made it quite clear that he could easily sleep he wasn't in this traumatic state but the mother was when you see the mother and how she reacted in this interview and you see him sitting next to her and this is a man that she sat next to that she didn't know that had done this to her child this woman was devastated this woman's family was devastated as you would be and this man seemed to be no comfort to her and I think she even thought then hang on a minute something's wrong here and after she was arrested I think they was arrested and questioned for three days they was released without charge. Now, Paula had never been questioned again after that, and I think the police absolutely knew at that point that she had nothing to do with the disappearance of her child. But they did believe that he had something to do with this child's disappearance. And he was consequently arrested for that and then charged with her murder, even though they hadn't found the body. I think the search took six weeks it took to find um, little Zoe's body and unfortunately um, the body had deteriorated a lot so they knew how she had died because she had been taken from her home she had been taken about a mile away from her home um, and she had been um, they suspect because they couldn't tell from the autopsy that she had been sexually abused she had been punched so hard in the face that it broke her nose and the blood then dripped down her throat and her top, her little top she had on, little night top she had on, was shoved so far into her throat that she died um, of asphyxiation from that and that was to stop her screaming. Now what psychologists have think has happened in this child's life was that she was being abused by Evans because Zoe did say to people that she had a fear of the bogeyman that kept coming into her room. Now many children have a fear of the dark and things, they might see something on the telly. But now when you look back, was there signs? I, you know, it's difficult to say. But when we now know what's happened to Zoe and she was murdered, they think, the psychologists think, that he was abusing her and she then rejected his um, acts and something went wrong that night and rather than stopping it and getting caught and, and you know, being charged with just uh, abusing a child, he ended up killing her because of that. And I think with this case, it's a very sad case for the mother because she didn't know because she had these earphones in, uh, had earplugs in, to stop the noise of him snoring, which was his idea. Um, he could have easily been abusing that child and she would never have known. So it's difficult, um, 
I think for this mother, and I, I think once he was arrested, she actually moved out of the marital home and never went back near him again. Her mother was um, stood by her side, the grandmother of Zoe, and we'll talk about her in a little bit. So this search, which cost nearly a million pounds to search for this child, it's one of the biggest searches this country's ever done. I think up until the summer murders and stuff like that, but at that time, this was one of the biggest searches. You also had um, about 150 police and 250 military, military um, personnel, and loads and loads of public looking for this child. And I think that where she was found, she was found about a mile away from her home. I think what they first found was a T-shirt um, right outside the back door area hidden, um, which belonged to Evans and it had blood of Zoe's on it. About half a mile away from the home, um, they found um, underwear of Zoe, again, um, bloodstained and stuff. As this search continued for the six weeks by these people, she was finally found, um, again, as, as I said, decomposing. but. This search area, a lot of searches, and we're talking about military as well here, not just police, and police do great searches when they're section by section, and so do the military. Where, the, where this body was found, in this animal hole, you know, this badger set, um, they said it had already been searched. So there were questions to whether this was where she was murdered, or where she was moved to really, because it could have been human error, they could have missed it. Um, but really, you know, when an area like that's been searched by so many professional people, I would say it's probably been moved there after that search area has been done. And again, it comes down to someone in that search team then that knew the area had been searched and then placed the body there later on, thinking it wasn't going to be searched again, but it was as many search areas are, especially when they find underwear or something very close to that area of that child, that area would be searched again, and it was, and that's when they found um, Zoe's body. Um, I think with Evans, he was charged with it, and his um, defence team said there was circumstantial evidence. Well, there was a bloodstained top, his top found with her blood on it, outside the back door area, hidden outside. There was a pair of her underwear. She was killed and taken from her home, which is not the easiest thing to do, taken from her bed. She was only taken a mile away from her home, um, raped and murdered, really, um, so, they, so they think. Um, there is now, I think, reasonable assumption that she was abused by him and this is why she ended up being murdered by him, things went wrong. So he, yes, there may have been circumstantial evidence to, to that, but when you have physical evidence where you have blood and you have t-shirts and you have other stuff with, which were his, with his DNA on it and her blood on it, um, yes, you know, I think there's more than circumstantial evidence. He was charged with that murder and it took the jury, I think, three days to um, come out with a verdict of guilty. And he was, when he was charged and um, sentenced, the judge said that we'll never know what happened to Zoe. 
um, because of the, you know, the, the body was um, decomposing after six weeks. We never really know, but what we do know is that she would have suffered terribly at that point. So I think with Zoe's mother Paula and her grandmother really was devastated. They couldn't believe that 17 years um, was a lifetime sentence, you know, and if this man could be out in eight years on parole. But we're talking about 1998 when this case went to court. So the um, Criminal Justice Act of 2003 hadn't come in, and if it was in at that point, then they would have been able to give higher and higher sentences for that. And, you know, it, things changed, but it wasn't at that point in. So um, I think with Zoe's grandmother, she felt so devastated that she um, went to Members of Parliament. She tried everything to get this case looked at because you have cases now, you know, after 2003, like with Ian Huntley, you know, the summer murders that were getting 40 year minimum tariffs of 40 years. So I think what Zoe's grandmother said was that she went to Zoe's grave to apologise to her because she tried and tried and tried to get this man um, a higher sentence and she believed that a life before a life, this man should have spent the rest of his life in prison. Because how, and she's right really, because how could you um, reform someone like this? This man has invaded these lives of these people who entrusted him with their care and, you know, of their child. This woman was married to this man, saw no signs of this at all going on. You know, it's so difficult when you're trying to then get over this and, and the grandmother didn't get over it. I think she died at 67. I think she died 2014. Um, but really, um, I think she did achieve something, actually, the grandmother. Because Evans was sent to prison, he was sent to Wakefield Prison, and he was due for parole, I think, in um, 2014. Um, he didn't get it, he didn't get it. But so I think with Evans, this Miles Evans, where he'd got these 20, you know, 25 years or 17 years, and he could have done just eight, it was unacceptable, actually, I think, morally and, and legally, you know, unacceptable to the public to think that you could take a child's life and that was all you would get. Um, he also um, tried to um, appeal his actual sentence itself, his case itself, because he's always said that he was innocent. And there were, his defence team then put forward uh, a couple of appeals to um, have his sentence overturned, to have this charge overturned. Um, that was absolutely lost. But I think the reason the defence team did it, because for any appeal you can't just appeal because you don't like what's been done, there has to be reasons. And I think what the defence team has said, that there was evidence of other people in the area at that time. There was evidence of two young youths um, hanging around in that area at this time and they'd been seen and um, putting things in hedges and stuff like this. Um, so there were other people around at that time. But when we look at this crime, and when you look at a crime where someone is then um, entering your home in the middle of the night, where you know you're in army housing, so you know that the people in this home, one of them at least, would have some army training. These people, if they did take Zoe, wouldn't have known that 
um, Paula was wearing earplugs because of his snoring. The likelihood of someone coming off the street, entering your home, taking a nine-year-old child, not a baby, not a two-year-old, a nine-year-old child, punching them in the face enough to where they are bleeding, whether that happened in the home or outside the home. But this girl would have screamed in the home. So at what point do we believe his story? And I don't believe the evidence against him was circumstantial. We have many, many predators, perpetrators like this, that never admit to their crimes. Danielle Jones, Danielle Jones, her uncle, has still never admitted to this crime at all. Never has. Still waiting to get out. Never admitted it. We've had Helen McCourt's murderer. Never admitted to his crime. But we know they did it. So I think, yes, Evans's mother, Miles Evans's mother, has always said that her son is innocent. But a lot of mothers were always saying their sons are innocent. There was evidence here in this case to prove that Miles did it. There's his body language now that's used against him as well. He's, the white, grieving has a certain way of, of, you know, and it, it takes forms in people lots of different ways. Yes, you could have been nervous because you had cameras on you and that, but you are the stepfather of a nine-year-old child that's been abducted from your home, from your home. And then you go to bed early so you can get up and search. You sleep. Very unusual. Very unusual, that in itself. That in itself would have made my senses go really high, just that alone. Then we find evidence outside his home. We find evidence then that, um, you know, as I've said, all this sort of thing. But no, there's no clear evidence, I suppose, because of the body deterioration over that time. Um, the physical evidence on the body was not there. Um, you he made sure that that body at that time wasn't found. Again, he was part of this search team. The search party had already searched this area. There was nothing. All of a sudden, now, a body turns up in an area that's been searched. It could only, the people that knew about that search area would only have put that body back there thinking it wasn't going to be searched again. Scientific, you know, body language experts have said by the, his eye movements, by his, the way he, he was um, acting and, and doing something were very, very suspicious of this man from the beginning, as were the police and the press. So I think the court did um, throw this appeals, two appeals, I think in 2001 and 2002 he tried to appeal this case and it was thrown out. And so then his um, conviction was what they call safe. Um, I think he went for, he was due to, to be, um, could be released on parole in 2014. He wasn't released in 2014. Um, that then was uh, rejected and it was said that he had spent many, many more years in prison for this. I can't find out actually any information about him being released. We're now in 2021. Um, I don't think he has been, to tell you the truth. There's not much said about this case because it's an older case, but when I've looked up about him, 
there's no release date for him at present, not that I can find anywhere about him. So yes, in 2014, when he should have been released, he was not released. Um, the parole board did not release him. He was um, kept in for many, many years. Still could be, but I will try and, more I can find out about this case, and I've searched everywhere, really, believe it. I can't find anything about him. And if he has been released, he's keeping a very low profile on that. This man was a very dangerous man. This man was so deceptive, really. He really used this family. And we have a lot of this for predators, don't we? Where they infiltrate families, they make themselves feel, you know, um, or make the families feel that they're needed and they're loved and they're cared for. But really, in the background, this is what was happening in this home until in the end, this little nine-year-old was murdered. It's a very sad case, this one. But I think, from a legal point of view, he got what he deserved. And as the law is changing and has changed from 2003, the um, Criminal Justice um, um, Act has changed, um, these criminals are now getting more and more sentences, longer sentences, or we hope they are. We hope now that we can use our laws that are in place to keep these people in prison for longer. Because there's no hope for this man. There is no reform for this man. This man did this crime, no matter how much his legal team wanted you to believe that he didn't, and that somebody else came off the streets and took this child out of her home and killed her. That, yes, it happens, but it didn't happen in this case. The man that killed Zoe Evans was Miles Evans, her stepfather, a person that betrayed this family, used this family and killed the daughter. Shocking, really. So this has been the case of Zoe Evans. Nine-year-old, UK case, 1997.